Welcome, everybody. Joey and Jono in the ground beneath grace. I am Jono. I'm Joey. Joey, how's the pizza? It's pretty tasty for a frozen pizza. Okay, well, good. So this is a conversation that Joey and I are learning to do better, better in life, listening to one another. After all of these years, we're finally starting to, to maybe listen better. Our wives would appreciate that. What? Did you say something? Sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah. <laughs> Does your wife, does she listen to this podcast? Of course uh, not. Yeah, I don't think my wife has listened either. I'm not sure. So yeah. I will say, though, um, it's funny. Now, a few weeks ago, you called out something I was not familiar with at all. And you said, okay, boomer. And I was like, what in the world? I even joked the next week. I was like, is that some sort of Southern thing? I didn't know what it was. Well, I get a text from Miriam this last week. Apparently she missed that one. So she came back out and she's like, boomer, haha, that's what we call all you old people when you say something that's so dated. And I was like, how, how did I not know that? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're only like a year and a half older than me. I don't know how you didn't know that. I did not know that. I thought, I thought, well, there comes the Arky roots coming out of Joey, <laughs> I guess. That's what I was thinking. I'm always afraid of that happening. But uh, so now I get it. You're trending. I'm not. I understand. You, you can take the boy out of Gibbertown, but you can't take the Gibbertown out of the boy. <laughs> or man or guy or girl or whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. Gibbertown, Arkansas. It's really a place. It really is. It really and is. <laughs> it really is. Google that. Yes. But uh, we're back for another week, of course, um, having conversations about things that frustrate Joey. No, it's not always that. <laughs> not always, but 90% of the time. Yeah. Not always that. We try to mix it up this week. Good good questions of something we're like, yeah, what about that? And uh, so we're we're compiling a list. If you're listening and you go, this should be on your list, things to talk about. <laughs> we know you want to send them. We know you have thoughts. We know you want us to talk about what you want to hear us talk about. Mm -hmm. But tonight we are delving into sin. That sounds kind of weird, though. We're just jumping right into sin. Sin mm -hmm. is this really interesting uh, word. It's, it's quite a small little word, and it's around in a lot of places. Um, one of the things that I think we want to discuss tonight, and I'm not sure if I'm you know, going to maybe hit on it the way that Joey, I think we were talking about, are there sins that are big sins and then sins that are little sins? Or why do we think that someone else's sin is the, the greater sin? Um, we, we, we look at it like, well, you're drinking, you're sleeping, you're cussing. Um, there are people who have thrown out things you know, I'm certain about it where they'll say things like, you know, you're a homosexual. And so you're a sinner. And I think we started out right that this was the idea of these are sometimes things we're not familiar with. Right. We may not even be familiar or even know the person that we're talking about or right. with. And so the question is, do we make sins bigger when we don't really know much about it? or that we don't know the person and their story. I saw something the other day. It said, pray for your neighbor or pray for your friend, including the thing they're struggling with that they've not yet told you about. And I mean, that's kind of an interesting point, right? There are things that people are going through where they're not uh, hitting it right. And so this is the part I think, 
in order before we start going back and saying, you know, are you a drunkard? Are you sleeping around? Are you cussing too much? Are you, you now, you know, uh, addicted to drugs or any other types of things that many people have addictions to? We're talking about this biblical definition of sin. And or I'm just curious, you know, as a child, we're taught about sin. So I'm curious, um, you know, Joey, what were you taught about sin as a child? Or do you remember that first story? Or what's the thing that you recall most was like, yeah, this was the sin. And so what as a child, do you remember that? I don't remember um, specific sins other than, you know, like the Ten Commandments um, or the, you know, the seven deadly sins or whatever you want to say. But, you know, more, a lot of things were just, it was kind of strange because in my house, you know, fortunate for that, but there a lot of things were just taboo. Like you absolutely just did not talk about sex. There was no alcohol in the house. Um, you know, nobody smoked in the house. My sister and my brother, one of my sisters and my brother did, but obviously never in the house. So those, a lot of those type of things were, were taboo. They weren't, they just weren't discussed. It's like, you just didn't do them. And so, you know, like when you grow up and become a teenager, it's, to me, it's weird. Like in the, I would see, you know, friends of mine drinking and I'm like, what? I mean, you just don't do that. Um, yeah. So, so it was a little bit different for me. Um, you know, I think it wasn't, I mean, of course, right and wrong, you know, taught by my parents, but for me, it was more, I guess, a biblical sense of, uh, of right and wrong, you know, and then of course with going to church, but, you know, on this topic, and I think you, you explained it pretty well, but I've never heard, you know, I was visiting a church, um, <laughs> like my favorite hobby, apparently. Uh, until I find one that I'm comfortable with. Um, I have found one. I, they just don't have a ministry yet. And so it's kind of strange. Um, anyway, it's like guest speakers every time you have the, uh, when you have a substitute teacher every week, um, that might be part of what's good about it. It could be, it could be good or bad. So there was this one that I went and they had one of the members was, was preaching and, um, the, one of the last things that he said was, um, was something, something to the fact now it's been a month and I can't remember exactly, but it was, we, but basically we justify our own sins as not being that bad because there are sin and we understand, we understand them or we understand why we're doing it. The reason that we make such other other sins much bigger is because we don't understand them. And so that's why we kind of justify our own flaws. Well, I'm doing this. Yeah, but at least I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, there's a multitude of sins that you could put in those categories, but that's kind of, and I never really heard it put that way. And I thought it, I thought it was interesting. I thought it made sense. And I, you know, I really believe it. I mean, in terms of, yeah, you may, I've got some, a Bible verse where Jesus talking about something kind of similar to this, uh, Matthew 7, that I'd like to read. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's, um, whether we're justifying it or whatever it is, we just don't understand other sins. So we, I think we kind of 
are in, more inclined to point the finger at other people. I think what you're saying is true. Um, we have a hard time would be my posing this question of defining sin because you know the bible and i'm taking a look here at john and i've been looking through and there's actually some observations as i've been looking through this and and processing this just trying to see what the bible says about sin but there are sin described in many different ways in scripture now john in 1 john chapter 3 verse 4 it's interesting it says everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness sin is lawlessness um it's interesting just the word practices sin now that word sin is an ancient greek word it's not exactly sin and i apologize i didn't write the greek word down <clears throat> but it comes from more of a um, classical greek literature and that word was used in the Iliad and, you know, um, Aristotle used it in his writings, Homer, these guys. So um, in these stories, and it meant to miss the target mark. If an archer was firing or loosing an arrow, that arrow had an intended mark to hit. Um, and so when it missed its intended mark, it sinned you you've missed the mark it was used even with spears not just arrows but anything that just missed the mark and that i think is probably the definition that many churches and folks would grab a hold of as a matter of fact i think sometimes you get this picture of a like a dartboard that's a bullseye type deal so you look at this big dartboard and you're throwing darts, but you didn't hit the one red bullseye right in the middle. You hit all the other spots. And I think people would go, yeah, you didn't hit the bullseye. And there are from Southern Baptist Christians to Orthodox Christians and other, you know, a lot of theologians, um, you know, they would go, yeah, it's, it's not hitting the mark. But the, for me, when I look at this, I guess the question is we've defined sin typically through moral and ethical behavior and how it is the um i really am trying to think of the word we get lost in the storyline of what sin is not hitting the mark but we've never really established what is the mark what is the thing that we're really trying to hit if we practice not hitting the mark you know then you know like john says here uh, yeah, that's this lawlessness. It could be works, could be a lot of different other things, but it's not the intended mark that was from the very beginning. So I go back all the way into the very beginning, right? When Adam and Eve created by God, he wanted them to create. He wanted them to take care of all of creation. He wanted them to trust him. That was the ultimate mark. That was the ultimate target. And it wasn't like a bullseye dartboard where there was not only the bullseye, but you could also get maybe triple score points from this one or double here or just get the value of whatever number you hit. It's like, at least I hit the dartboard. No, this is like completely off the intended mark. You didn't hit it. You didn't come close to it <laughs> because you missed it. 
there is no, at least I got seven points or three points, or maybe I hit the triple double line or whatever it is. You hit nothing. You missed what was intended from the very beginning. So as I look at this, I, I really wonder if we're trying to describe sins as the biggest miss of the mark. So how can our sins, I guess I'm trying to work through this, we'd say, oh, it was just a little white lie. So it barely missed, you know, at least we're on the, we're on the dartboard. We didn't hit the bullseye, but we're on the dartboard. And I think that's pretty dangerous. And I think it cheapens the value of the mark if we are judging this in the opposite way. If we're judging here and looking at sin versus what it is the original mark was intended to be hit. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, and I agree. I think for me, I think, you know, my own definition of sin would be, yeah, missing the mark, I think is a good analogy. For me, it's like anything that has, that does or has the potential to harm your relationship with God. So if you have, uh, yeah, that little white lie may not be that big of a deal, but it makes it easier the next time. And, you know, and, and it kind of grows and festers and, and it can become, you know, a real problem. And so I kind of feel that's my own cheap definition of sin. You know, it's something that gets, gets in between you and God, you know, um, you know, it may not necessarily be a sin to, uh, cut someone off in traffic, but you know, it's not great and it could grow into something, you know, more and more. So that's kind of my own definition as well. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna... No. Yeah. So just, again, I just, I'm just trying to encapsulate that this, the, the, the mark what we're trying to hit is not even about perfect behavior. And it's interesting. I've, I've read through some scripture and uh, I was taking a look at um, Deuteronomy 9, 7, Joshua 1, uh, 18. These are things that are talking about where Israel did some not good things against the Lord, but it talks about those things as the wrong that Israel did, but it doesn't call them sins. We would call them sins because they miss the intended things. They go against God. They are lawlessness. But I'm just drawing back to the idea that Mark is still this thing that God did is not about perfect behavior. And, and I think it's dangerous to set up, and I think it has set up, bad religion uh, and works, um, which invite us to repeat the original mistake, which is, you know, consuming the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If I do good, man, I nailed it. If I do evil, I missed it. And I don't think that the mark, the, the, the tree of life, namely the relationship or the fellowship with God, walking in the garden, the communion um, with God, like Adam and Eve enjoyed before the fall. Um, I just, for me, as I'm processing this, I don't want to have sin be the definer in the negative. I want the actual target to be the definer. And that I think is this union with God, trust in his goodness. That's the mark. And so then I think then sin has more flesh on it in a sense, literally. It has a more understanding of that. It's not about um, our moral or ethical behavior, 
but missing the mark is death. Sin is death. And I think, I'm not sure if you had that in Romans. Um, you had a scripture in Romans. Was it the wages of sin? I'm not sure if it was that one or if that all have fallen short. Um, yes, it was all, three, of, all have fallen short. Yeah. It was that. Uh, um, yeah, Romans 3. Um, let me start in verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and all fall, fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement uh, through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So, yeah, so, I mean, there was very clear. I think one of the things that I see in that is there are some folks who would say the terminology of sin missing the mark is an old classic Greek, and it didn't mean the same thing when Jesus was talking about it or the apostles were talking about it. They wouldn't have clearly have seen it as you missed the mark. They would have said this is lawlessness. This is moral and ethical, be, you know, missed behavior. Um, and so we look at this and we go, yeah, there's going to be punishment for those bad things that you did that didn't do it the way that God wanted it. And so here Paul is saying, I think first off, yeah, all of us fall short. I, I kind of look at that. If he's saying we've all sinned and fall short, well, that's what a sin is. It misses, it fell not into the mark of the intended target that God had in mind. And, and yet, so I look, you know, I was looking at the prodigal son story too, and missing the mark in that story wasn't just this, you know, hedonistic party scene that the prodigal son had that he fell into his sin was that he left the father's house in the first, first place. And, and in that his brother misses the mark just as badly because he's like, I was a slave. I, you know, he wasn't leaving living as a son and he was in the house. And in that parable, it comes up about repentance. And I think this is another word. I don't know if it's synonymous with sin. Like do those two things go? I've actually got maybe a different thought on repentance too, but I think it's a big part of it of like, if we're firing arrows at something, are we just shooting them out into the dark and we're not even aiming at a target. We don't even know what that is. And if we want to get to the right target, we got to actually turn and go back to that. And that's what the son did is he turned to reconnect to the love of the father. He went back um, to be surrounded by his father's care. But at least he was like moving in that direction and he was firing in that direction, his shot. But again, at the end of the day, it was by his father's good graces, not because he said, uh, well, actually, right in that story, he says, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven and you. I sinned. I missed the mark. Okay. I didn't hit it against heaven and you. But he goes back. And while he was a long way off, the father runs to him, grabs him, embraces him. Right. 
the father didn't stand there and tap his arms and fold, you know, and say, well, I'm going to wait for him to get here because I hope he learned his lesson of how big he blew it. The grace is the father lives in an expectation that we turn and go along this way because this is the way the father is. And the sin wasn't corrected because he had some fancy words. And he says that he even, he even says, Hey, father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me one of your servants. And the father, like, he's like, yeah, you better say that. He doesn't even say that. He immediately calls for a robe, puts his ring on his hand, doesn't go into any of even this confession, right? Of the sin, this acknowledgement, but instead immediately orders another party, fatted calf to be killed, celebrate because, you know, the son is found. It to me, since you've asked this question, I take a look at this one. I don't think we understand sin very well, especially in other people's lives, which is why we can make it so um, I'm trying to even think of this disastrous offense towards God. And I don't want to say that sinning is not offensive to God. We see definitely lawlessness and stuff sinful to God. It it's it misses the mark of how he intended. But I think we can get in a dangerous place. I'll go back to that again. I wrote this down is that if, if we make the mark just about perfect behavior, we're setting up a bad concept of religion. And we just are inviting ourselves back into the original mistake, trying to do works, which are dead works. Um, trying to gain our perfection instead of believing in what Jesus does, what God does, that we must um, you be united with God and trust in his goodness because his goodness, who he is, he is the mark, period. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, you know, I think we've used an analogy. I, I think that's what people think that aren't Christians or may have something against Christians is like, well, they think they're perfect. You know, and I think we've used the analogy, or I think I've used the analogy of it's like going to the gym when you're already in great shape. You know, most people go to get in better shape. You don't have to be, you know, like a model to go to, to join a gym. Same thing with the church. The church is full of broken people. It's not full of perfect people. And so I think, you know, people can confuse that or they, they have that um, in their mind of what church is, whether it was a bad experience at vacation Bible school when they were a kid or just somebody that they knew that, you know, kind of put that air out there that they were perfect. But it's not. I mean, it's not. To me, it's not about that. It's about, yeah, we're going to miss the target, but, you know, you, you keep trying. And hopefully eventually, you know, you'll, you'll hit the mark and we're not all perfect, but, you know, like the parable of the, the, you know, the, the prodigal son. Yeah. To me, that's just an analogy of, you know, how thankful God is or, or will be when we kind of turn, you know, from our, 
uh, when we miss the mark and we finally hit it and we get it right and that it's how excited he is, I think for all of us, I think it would be that same thing, that same type of celebration. Yeah. And I think it is that. I think just the, the bigger part in this that maybe go goes um, unrecognized or is not elevated. But then again, it's that word repent. And when you look at sin, we have to turn from that. Um, here's my thought. I think, obviously, sin is missing the mark. What's the mark? The mark is God. Plain and simple, what he had planned for us. So if we have something that we do in our lives that is destruction, you know, and I'll just, I'll, I'm trying to think of something. If we become an alcoholic, one, God gave us alcohol to be a blessing. And we can take the blessings and we can go further than they were intended. And then what happens is you, you get drunk, you end up with a different attitude, you know, it affects your behavior, uh, whether you're in a car or whether you're in a relationship and you could yell at the children and you're, you know, beating your wife, or you have a car that runs into someone else and takes their life. That doesn't produce the thing God created us for, which was to build life, to be givers of life. And so if we are breaking that, we're, we're missing what God intended even with that. I think the sad part is, I was talking to a guy about this today. I was asking about sin, how he described it in Missing the Mark. And he, he used this. I'm not sure if it'll make any sense. He said, sometimes I, I want to do something nice for my wife. So that's the target. I'm going to, I see her and I'm going to do something really nice. So I kind of go through all this effort I put things together and then I go kind of present this. I, I launch it there and it's not what she wants. She's too tired. I didn't consider certain things. It turns into a big disaster and uh, it just doesn't work. I'm like, that's kind of interesting, right? Like you were at least aiming that this was going to be good, right? You had some sort of like, this is the direction I'm going to point and aim at that. And yeah, you missed it. So in a sense, that is it missed it sinned against what her desire her want or will was. But it wasn't like you were just shooting in the wrong direction. It's not like you just said, I like to do something nice for this woman. And I don't know her, but hey, I think she's pretty. So I'm just gonna you know, adorn her with these gifts and do all this type of stuff. And you're like, but wait a minute, you're married. <laughs> now, this didn't happen in this guy's life, just in case anybody's listening. But I'm like, see, he was pointing towards the thing that he wanted. If he were to do it to somebody else, he wasn't even pointed in that direction. Is that a gross sin? Is that a greater sin? And what and I guess what I'm saying is, he was turned in the wrong direction. He wasn't even looking in the right direction. This is where repentance I think comes in on this story because repentance turns us from one direction and moves us into the right direction. And that's another word that I think has been misused too many times of um, repentance is um, I'm trying to, to look at my notes. 
like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm never going to do that again. And in the early centuries, again, we have words that we use today, and they were limited in our wording. Uh, but in the modern ears, for us, okay, when we have this call to repent, it's often it's like, well, I feel sorry, I did bad things. And I need to make amends about it. I got to confess and I got to say, him, you know, I got to say a prayer to, to God. Um, and then, you know, you get into this big show, you go down to the front of the altar and everybody confesses how they were wrong. And this is just the deal. Um, N.T. Wright is a great scholar and I love a lot of the works that uh, he shares. He said, you know, we, we might be missing the point on this just a little bit. And we look to some of the ancient languages and how we see these stories and how they're reflected. And when Jesus says, repent in Mark one, he might've just meant this. Hey, um, you guys, you're going the wrong way. And if you want to know about God, because God is doing a new thing, then you're, and if you want to be a part of that new thing, then you're going to have to give up the direction that you're going and you're going to have to come along this way. And it's interesting because he he kind of references it wasn't as I'm sorry or something. It was Jesus is not calling to you just like, oh, I'm a loser. I'm this, I'm that, I'm a sinner. He was saying, look, God is doing a new thing. And if you want to be a part of that new thing, you're going to have to come along this way. You're going that way. And you think that all these rules and all these legalistic things are going to get you there in these works. They're not. Keep going that way. They're not going to do it. The new thing he's doing this way. And I'm that way. So come follow me. And he looks at uh, Josephus. This is a historian and writer that was after the time of Jesus. Interestingly enough, Josephus actually had a run-in with a Jewish rebel. It's one of the stories that he has during the Jewish-Roman War period. And a rebel, one rebel in particular, who happened to be named Jesus, um, was actually plotted to kill Josephus. And Josephus managed to confront him in a neutral manner and tried to reason with him. And, and Josephus writes this, he says, I told Jesus uh, that I was not ignorant of the plot of which he had contrived against me. I would nevertheless, nevertheless, condone his actions if he were to show repentance and prove his loyal to me. And that statement to show repentance loyal to me, while it translates fairly, you know, according to the spirit of Josephus's words, doesn't quite do what Josephus said justice, because According to what N.T. Wright was saying, what Josephus said in Greek um, was this, repent and believe in me. <laughs> and Jesus said that. Josephus wasn't saying, you know, um, ordering this rebel to convert to him. He, what he was saying was, you know, hey, give up the way that you've been going, okay? Stop going with Rome and rebelling that way. It's all backwards, and Josephus was trying to persuade him what he was doing was going in the wrong way and that to, to follow him and don't go that way anymore. This is, this is a new thing that's happening. You need to come along this way. So here are the two things. Repentance, I'm sorry. Sin, you violated God. I just think we're, we're setting these things up for some pretty religious tragedies that end up putting us back into works, not belief, not faith in God. And that was a long carry on there. It was like 15 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, I just made a lot of noise. Uh, there's hangers on the edge of the table and I found them. Um, 
Yeah, and I think I think what you're saying here too is you know, Jesus warned warned us of that to not fall into the trap. Um, and I agree with you know with you on the on the repentance. I, th- I think there's the repentance is acknowledging that what we're doing is wrong, and then there's the repentance of well, I already know it's wrong. I'm just going to try not to do it again. And then there's that struggle of not doing it again. You know, I mean, uh, like you use uh, being an alcoholic. I mean, very few people can stop um, cold turkey. I mean, I can't stop eating and I couldn't stop cold turkey. Um, So there's that and then i think that's like the whole circle of struggle i mean you know is it really that bad well i can't really stop and it could be worse i could be you know committing adultery i don't you know i don't go home and kick my dog and you know things like that so you kind of justify it and i think that's kind of what jesus is saying here and this is matthew 7 uh it's going to be verses 1 through 6 judging others and this is Jesus's words, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, and Jesus obviously sp- spoke in parables and um, things that's hard for me to understand. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, you're all, you're doing, this is what he's saying here is you're doing something that's really wrong, but you want to look for little things that other people are doing and you want to judge them on that. And I, I kind of think that's what he's uh, talking about here. And then you can also, you know, like I said, you can get to that whole, repentance circle where you're you know you're trying to get out of it uh but then you know if you fall back then there's a there's always that temptation i think for me anyway to to just say well it's not that big a deal i mean you know if i do it do this one thing it's not that big yeah i mean that's the you know that's the bigger picture here and i think for a lot of folks is maybe they're trying to break it down too we always want to say well at least i'm not as bad as that guy And at the end of the day, you're like, I'm not Hitler. I didn't do that. I'm not a murderer. You know, Jesus discussed that. He raises the bar on those types of things. Um, Definitely, right? You know, if you say, don't murder, but if you say to your brother, you know, Raka, are you fool? You know, you're committing these things in your heart. And Jesus is definitely about transforming heart. That's the big I think picture the big target that he came to hit that he came to restore. And, you know, Paul, and again, he, he talks about this. I think it's kind of in light of what you're saying. We could go, Oh, it's just a little thing. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Well, Paul says to the Romans probably were struggling with the same, same concepts. He said, so what are we to say? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may abound? I think that's the thing, though. So continue to sin. Be like, am I just going to constantly 
purposefully shoot off the mark when I know, and then I just go, well, you know, there's grace. Grace is there. Um, what shall we say? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Because if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You know, Paul's here saying, like, grace abounds, and he says that. But God is renewing us. He's transformed us into the renewing of our minds to think like not death people, not the wage of sin is death, right? But in life people and life giving. So we don't just keep randomly keep on sinning so that we get more and more of that grace. And I don't think when we get caught up in, in judging these things that we go, look at that guy. He's got a big plank in his eye. That's exactly what we do. Mine's little. I was going to do, but God's graceful. He's going to forgive that. Look at that guy over there. It's got a big one. And Jesus is definitely condemning that. He's like, you can't even take care of anybody. Why are you trying? I don't think that, um, or I'm sorry, I got that backwards, right? The plank in my eye and the speck in the other guy. I think the reality is there's still a speck in someone's eye. But think about how you would remove a speck from someone's eye. I don't know if your kids have ever had something in their eyes or your, or your wife has at all, but you like got to get really close, be very gentle. And it's a process. You just don't get specks out as easy as a log. Okay. Right. And uh, yet in many times we have um, said there are these sins that are greater but it's interesting because Jesus, before Pilate, says when, when Pilate is, you know, got him and, and he's being judged and, and tried in that place, um, Jesus says, the greater sin is the one who handed you, me over to you. You know, a greater sin, <laughs> Jesus, what are you trying to talk about? Greater sin. Um, they were doing this so that sin could be defeated. <laughs> I'm confused, Jesus, by what you're saying. The reality is, though, I'm just stepping back again. When we start saying planks or specks, when we start naming these types of things, we can get into this, I'm a little bit better at sinning, when at the end of the day, it is by grace that we're saved. But we don't keep doing that. We live transformed by the renewing of our mind so that if we don't keep sinning to get grace, grace abounds and we would get it. But that's still not the mark that we're supposed to hit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just so easy, you know, to justify. And especially if we don't understand the other sin. You know, we talked about, you know, the magic word that you said earlier. I'm not going to say, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's easy for me. It would be easy for me to say, well, you know what? Um, I'm going to go get drunk tonight, but at least I'm not going to cheat on my wife, you know, or, um, well, I'm going to cuss, but I'm not going to blaspheme God. You know, I'm, 
you know and so i just think i just think it's a trap i think it's a trap that like the devil wants to confuse things and wants to say oh you know it's okay it's fine well you know you, you can do that it's no big deal you know you can flirt it's not gonna you know lead to anything or uh, um so i've never been in that situation but um you know what i'm saying it's like um it's just it's, it's a trick that i think the devil uses to 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 make us feel better well you know you don't have to get up and go to church today it's it's a pretty day you know go and you drank too much last night it's fine um but you know again like i said the church is not full of um perfect people or at least the churches that i've gone to um and it, i don't think it would be much fun to go to churches like that anyway um so i just you know to me it's just not falling into that trap if that made sense or not. yeah it's again the target is life-giving because it's god god is a giver we've talked about this before humanity mankind and the fall were takers we weren't even satisfied in relationship with God. We wanted to be God, right? And so in this fallen world, what was created was death. And so we live in that, the wage of sin, the wages of sin, because of that, is death. And Jesus died, right? Jesus was God, manifested in this incarnate man thing, flesh and blood, because God cannot die. God becomes man for humanity and dies to be life raised again, just like what Paul was talking about to give us this opportunity of new life. And um, this is uh, just this picture that I'm thinking if we looked at people and stopped trying to empower the boldness of their sin and how bigger it is of theirs than compared to ours at the end of the day we're talking about death it doesn't hit the creator's target and so when we like go out and we start holding up signs and i've not done this but i've seen it and they're just this blasting microphones or signs that are telling people you know, they're going to hell and they're naming off all of these different types of things. I think, again, this turns it away from even understanding repentance of sin. To turn to repent, come on, if you want to be about what God's doing, come along this way. I know you want to be about something, but, but you're never going to get there. If you keep heading east, you're not going to get to Seattle from my area. If you head east from where you're at, Joey, you're definitely not going to get to Seattle <laughs> easily, easily. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and I think, yeah, I, th I think, you know, when people do stuff like that, whether, you know, they're, they're probably trying to make themselves feel better. I never have understood. What is the name of that? I call it a hate group. Um, that there's, there's, a, they call themselves a church, but they go and they, um, they picket um, funerals, especially if it's especially if it's a uh, soldier. Right. I can't remember the name of that church. I haven't heard. I know the name. Of, I know the name, but I'm not going to. Yeah, say good. It, so. Okay, so you know what I'm talking. Uh, um, yeah. But them. I mean, that is just to me. That's not a church. That's a picture of hate. You know. And so, um, you know, for me, I think 
this is difficult for me to comprehend just the the word grace that's like my favorite word um and so it's it's hard i think for the non-christian to fathom how big that word is and that nothing you know that we that you know like we've read in our scriptures tonight that everyone has sinned no one is above it but there's no sin that we can do um except for you know blasphemy basically i think but that's not forgivable you know um you know like this is probably this is definitely out of left field but um jeffrey dahmer you know you hear about all these serial killers and i think son of sam was the same that were actually you know repented and while they were in prison and um you know i think i remember i was talking to one of my friends after uh, jeffrey Dahmer was killed in prison and i made the um i don't think that i knew i, I didn't know that he repented uh, while he was in prison i said something about well you know <laughs> probably have a good idea of where he's going and you know my friend was like you know he repented and so yeah i mean it, it's not repented but he you know it, went through the, uh, you know, the process and he repented and, you know, confessed his sins and all of that. And so, you know, even that, and I mean, he obviously did some horrific things and, but there's nothing that if we ask for forgiveness, um, there's nothing that's unforgivable. That's, that's to me, it's, um, it's, I mean, it literally is confusing. It's, it's very simple but it's still confusing. I'm like, you know, I've done all of this, you know, I've never, <laughs> I've never been on board. And then, then all of a sudden after 50 years, I do, and it's all good, you know? And yeah, I think it is. I think it's just like the prodigal son. I think yeah. there's rejoicing when that does happen. You know, and we talked about, um, I, my mom will probably listen, so I won't say exactly who, but a family member, very close family member, not my mom, but um, that went through this, you know, lived 52 years and um, was was not a Christian until the last two years of her life. And I think, you know, I think that's was when she did. I think there's a pretty joyous event, you know, in heaven and um it's it's comforting um grace is still confusing uh, even you know you just you think of all the things that you do that, that falls short of the glory of god and it's still okay that jesus died for all sins not just the ones that we understand right and there there then comes this part i think through being transformed and renewing of our minds you know, this, this person who became a follower of Jesus, who repented and said, I believe, um, I don't want to go this other way. I've been going that way my whole life. It didn't serve me. Well, that's two years of eternity that she's living, right? Because we believe there's more than just this life. And probably there's some who would say, man, I wish I'd done this sooner. 
it's hard to get caught up all in that because what we're looking at is for the right here right now and what god is seeing is what he's always wanted he's never given up pursuit of any of us and doesn't and won't the only thing though is that when we walk away right when we go i got this i can manage this i know what to do is right and if i do this right thing that's what the jewish people did if i don't eat these meats if i don't work on this day if i remember you know the festivals you know if i follow these exact 10 commandments and jesus and raises the bar on all of that he says this to disciples and he says hey look i'm telling you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect matthew chapter 5 uh, verse 43 and 48 and the apostles are like but that's impossible who then can be saved jesus is saying well with man it is impossible with but with god it's possible and when we allow this um again i think this reposition we need to stop so just my frustration and i, I want to be cautious in this i don't want to say this is the expert thing but i think it's to be considered that we stop judging the perfect based off the sin it's like we're always talking about the missed mark but we are not talking about the beauty of it god is intended for relationship and let's just look at marriage for there to be this beautiful story in one anotherness created in a couple this thing that he had designed he knew us guys couldn't do it on our own so he gives us this beautiful gift and then you look at the the world and there's a lot of divorce that's going on and we call that out and we go yeah that's bad but guess what Christians are just as likely to get divorced as non-Christians today. So here we start going, well, they're just, you know, they've sinned and they missed the mark. What mark? What were they really trying to do? What was the story of what God was doing? Are we talking more about that? Or are we just talking more about, you know, don't drink, don't cuss, don't kiss girls who do or don't. We need to be people who orient ourselves around the mark the thing that god said this is what i want you to hit this is what i want you to be all about it's what i had in mind for you from the garden it's what i've come through christ to restore to defeat death and then i think you know james he gets a hold of this and he really leans in um, and says okay and so therefore hey you guys confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working uh, he says elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it didn't rain on the earth and then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth for its fruit. So, my brothers, my sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings them back, let them know that whoever brings back a sinner 
from their wandering will save their soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Saving from death. What is God's target? It's life. And I think we need to stop talking about the broken things and really establishing the life things. God is a creator. He's called us to create. He's called us to, you know, multiply, to care for these things. And I just, again, we become, and and the danger is there, legalistic and just trying to do works, which is not the belief of the story that God intended for us from the very beginning. And works are dead. They don't save us. We could do them all day long. God came so that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. And so that's just my kind of 60 minute thought here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I think you nailed it. I mean, it is, I mean, God not getting into prosperity. um, I promise, but you know, God does want us, I think he wants us to be happy, but you can be happy in him, you know, uh, being a Christian isn't boring. It's not, um, it, it's not, I mean, I know people, Oh, I want to go out and have a good time. And then maybe I'll turn to that, you know, later in life. It's, it's not the point. I mean, it could, it's, it's better with it, you know, than, than without it. And, um, that's just my opinion, but it's, it, you know, I think it's how it is. I think God wants us to be happy. Doesn't mean that we're going to always be happy. Um, but I think, um, he does have a plan for us, you know, and sometimes it's hard to listen. It's hard to be still and listen. Um, it's something that, you know, I definitely struggle with, but you know, in the long run, you know, grace covers everything, but it's like you said, you know, he came for, for us and to save us. And, you know, for me, it's just. It's trying to keep, you know, your eye on the prize of heaven and how great it, how great it will be. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. If you are looking at someone else and you're thinking, I just need to tell that person what their sin is. Um, I want to challenge myself. I you know, challenge Joey because he's here having this conversation with me and anybody else that's listening is that before you try to correct the person's missed mark, my question to you is have you taken the time to actually show them what the mark is and what the mark is that you need to show is the thing that you are actually doing in your life so like jesus said if you have a plank in your eye it's best to remove that so that you can share how great it is at seeing out of an eye that doesn't have anything in it whether it's a plank or a speck to the person who's in need. First, we need to be able to understand what it is we're trying to point people to, to say, if you want to be about this, come along this route, because this is a new thing that God is doing. And if you want to be about that new thing, like Jesus was saying, then you need to come along with me into this thing. Um, to, I think, spare the guilt and shame that exists even after a person repents. 
and asks forgiveness. I cannot tell you how many people who I have talked who have been so beat up with shame and guilt, they don't even believe that the gracious God and Father would hug their neck, put a robe on them and a ring on their finger and have a great party because they just didn't say sorry enough. They didn't repent enough. Those are dead works. Believe that God loves you, that you are his child, and, and you are his child. You can't do anything more to be his child. And, and that is ultimately, right, you going along the path in that way that God is calling you to, to the thing that he had in mind for you from the very beginning. And we do fall short. But we also have good friends, a church community, people who can help hold us accountable, can point us into the word, and, and we can uh, come together with this. You know, like James is saying here, hey, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone brings them back, hey, he's saying, hey, Jono, if you wander from the truth and someone brings you back, he's going to save you from death and cover a bunch of their missed marks, a ton of them, but mostly it's going to, it's going to restore you to the life thing. And, and so there in that point, folks, if, if you're thinking that you see a sin problem in your neighbor, um, most likely you do because they're not hitting anywhere close to what God intended from the very beginning. The question is, have you taken time to not tell them what they already know? They're broken, they're lost, they're harassed, they're like sheep with no shepherd. But have you told them about the shepherd? Have you told them that the good news where then God then reveals that beautiful story to them through Jesus, and then they recognize and they go, I don't have that. I want that. I need that in my life. I no longer go this way. And repenting is probably an everyday type thing. We're always constantly just going along in the call, you know, but not in a guilt and shame way, but in a restored, empowered, God has a road and a direction. He's already there. Am I going to keep pursuing that direction to keep along in his mission so that I could have life and an abundant life, you know, and that no matter if someone says their prayers two minutes before their death, or they were saved at the beginning, you know, at some Bible camp on some hot summer night in the middle of July. It is God's love for his people. And it is our believing that that love is the, is the end all of everything that we could possibly imagine. I got to say, Joey, I felt like I talked more tonight than you did. That's fine. That's probably how it should be. No. Um, no, but I, I appreciate it because I did learn an awful lot uh, here. And again, folks, if you have questions, um, you know, please reach out to us. I, I know there are other people have different thoughts and interpretations of uh, the idea of prayer, you know, or, or not prayer, but um, sin and what it means and the definitions of that. I mean, scripture is kind of full of different stuff. But when you see missed marks and errors in that um, scripture, some of the head titles will say the sins of, or they'll say the sins, but it never really says that in the text. It talks about the missed mark, but let's just start back and get to the place. Not what is the sin and whether or not it's bigger, but what is the mark? Because it is bigger. Um, all right, Joey. Well, I think we've made it close to an hour. 
and <laughs> next week Joey will be doing the podcast solo <laughs> to himself. Uh, well, nobody wants that. No. <laughs> Cathartic is always uh, therapeutic is always so. No, it's good. I think it's um, you know I think uh, for me just last thing I think it's just it's even if your sin is. <laughs> quote unquote greater than someone else's you know it's it's no reason to beat yourself up over it it's uh, there's always time until there is no time um to like you said even if it's the last two seconds of your life um you know guilt for me i've always or I've said this for a while guilt and shame are uh, a, a very strong tool that uh, the devil uses to uh, to trick us um, and to not fall into that trap is, is important. Um, if you're saying, you know, if you're, whatever your sin is, there's, there's always uh, time to, to confess and repent and, and change. And I think, like I said, I think God rejoices at that. So. Thanks, Joey. Thanks everybody for joining us in the ground beneath grace. Again, we are, I think actually learning, we're really learning on being uh, better at being honest. Sometimes we want to sound really good and it's hard to be vulnerable, but we are learning here as we hope that you are to be transparent and vulnerable with our questions and wrestling with these things and maybe understanding better what we believe or going, I never saw it like that and, and seeing a better perspective that maybe God helps us in a more accurate way. Yeah, I think if anything, it's important to remember that, you know, we're not perfect. We don't have it uh, figured out necessarily, and it's okay to, to not have it figured out. Yep, and it is by grace that <laughs> we're saved, and that is the ground beneath grace. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk with you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Ground Beneath Grace. We hope to share a universal journey that leads to Jesus who is the best picture of God we could ever get. My name is Miriam, and this podcast was made possible by people like me.